everybody, it's Bob Claggett from I Like to Make Stuff. I'm here with Jimmy Deresta and David Picciuto. Hey guys, how's it going? Very good. Hello. We are back for episode number 20. 20? 20? <gasps> 20? 20 already? Wow. Crazy. Episode 20 of making it. This is it. All right, good night, everybody. No, no. <laughs> um, so yeah. We ran out. We ran out of <laughs> So yeah, we're back. Um, we're just going to get right into it. Talk about what we're working on. David, what are you working on, man? Um, I got a cutting board video that I just shot, and then I'm going to ship the cutting board to the chef, and he's going to shoot the second part of that video. Cool. The cool. chef? Like the, the Swedish the Not Swedish the Swedish chef? chef. No, it's a guy, uh, he goes by the name of Cook With Meat, and he has a, his channel is fantastic. It's very stylish. It's, it's well done. Uh, there's not a lot of talking. It's just like images and graphic overlays and all the stuff that he makes just looks incredible like Hmm. so i approached him i'm like hey your channel is well done can we work on something together and he's like oh sure so that's cool that's great branching outside the lines it's a great idea yeah and uh kudos on the coffee stand oh thank you yeah really cool me and dave were driving through brooklyn watching it i have like a bent up credit card jammed to my dashboard which holds my phone like so we could both watch it (laughs) when (laughs) If you live in Manhattan or Brooklyn or New York, you just know like 90% of your day when you move your car to your parking spot is going to be sitting in traffic. And so <laughs> yeah, that catch was up a, on all the videos in the car. That was a fun build. I got a really good reaction from that. So Really good. Really nice. Thank awesome. you. And uh, what am I working on, you ask? Yeah. Uh, Jimmy, what are you working on? <laughs> hey, Jimmy. What are you working on? <laughs> um, well, I just uh, I worked yesterday late to get the tips video up. Uh, Dave and I... Uh, I'm still kind of recovering from my Louisville trip. Like I had like a, a long few days of kind of doing nothing um, since I got back. But every day I'm, I'm at least putting a few uh, bits of uh, footage in the can. And I, I got my my Aluminum Max video to a point where I just have to f- film the, the last few bits and that's ready to go up. And then I had I must have had five hours of footage to sift through for the the distillery video, which was killing me. Like I was literally, I, like, I fell asleep the other night sitting at the computer, staring at the monitor. I literally opened my eyes and the monitor was in front of me. I had fell asleep for like four minutes. Mm. I was, uh, it's just was taking so much out of me to kind of cut through. And uh, so I, I'm happy with the, the, the video. Ultimately, I'm a little disappointed. I missed a couple of key pieces of footage that I should have got. Cause in the end of us making it, um, I wasn't really filming a lot of the payoffs. I was just like, oh, let me just get the process. Let me just get the process. So each little bit, there was so many little uh, bits and pieces to put this whole thing together. And uh, so I was just missing a couple of pieces. So I was kind of slowly losing interest in the edit altogether. But hmm. I pulled it I pulled it uh, together, and I have a 22-minute edit ready to go up on Sunday morning of the distillery process. And uh, it came out pretty good. Like I said, the, I just was – I was like when I realized I, – I, I've lost the opportunity to get a couple of good shots. It, it, I kind of like feel like the whole project is a failure, although it's not at all. It's just like the artist in me feeling like I ruined it. Um, but anyway, I was able to pull it together. David watched it last night and he had such a good reaction to it that it, it kind of won me over. So I finalized it last night, did the tips video last night, went to sleep at five in the morning. Whoa. So, so how do you go got, through five hours of footage? What's your, what's your technique? I literally just say, okay, let me, I'll look at the clock and I'll say, I'm going to edit for a half hour and I'll just sift through for a half hour. And then once a half hour is up, if I'm really going to stick to my little uh, mini goal, I'll get up, I'll go get a coffee, I'll go take the dogs out for a walk. Um, 
but it is grueling. I mean, I was in the middle of like almost considering myself done when I realized I was missing a whole entire section that didn't come off the camera. So I had to go back to, the, I have four cameras that I shoot with. So I just said, let me just pick one. Hopefully this is the one that has the footage on it. And I plugged it in and I, I just was lucky. I just happened to grab the right one of four cameras that had the footage that was missing from three weeks ago, still on it. That's my process too, is whenever I shoot, I don't delete anything until the, the chip fills up. And then if I'm still weary and the project I know is still on the chip, I, I'll just delete and make room. Yeah. It's it's funny that you mentioned, you know, you, you, you break it up into like little half hour chunks. I just finished a book and it's a really awesome book called The Practicing Mind. And it's all about being present in the moment, which is I have a lot of issues with that. Like I'm doing two things at once or I'm always thinking about something else. And so it was a really, really good book. But he talks about like doing when you're when you when you have to do something that you don't really want to do is to break it up into small chunks. And then instead of trying to work fast, he says to actually try to work slower. And when you do that, you actually focus more on the project and you are completely into the project and the time goes by faster than you would think and you're probably more efficient because you're not thinking about these other things and and doing this well like trying to just you know yeah it's exactly how that's exactly kind of what i do although it wasn't 100 percent conscious to call it that (laughs) um i just literally go in like sections at a time whereas like i made that ice pick video and when I looked at the footage, there was enough footage to fit on the little window. And I'm like, this is going to be done in a half hour. I got to cut up tight, nice and easy. I got a six-minute video together. And that's going to be, should be out on make this evening or maybe tomorrow. Um, but uh, when I say this evening, I'm talking about Thursday. This video, this podcast is going to air on Friday, which will probably be out by now. That's the ice pick, the new ice pick video. Um, anyway, so when I was doing my fine cut, that's when I tell you I fell asleep sitting at the computer. I was literally like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to just find cut up until like 10 minutes and then I'm going to go to sleep. And then I was already like at 11 minutes before I noticed I was past it. I'm like, all right, let me go to, literally, this is what I did. I go, I'm going to go, let me find cut up to 16 minutes, you know, on the timeline. And then all before I knew it, I was done and I was sleeping. <laughs> so <laughs> nice. uh, then last night, so last night I find cut it and I'm happy with it. And so that's going up. Then I'm going to finish my aluminum max video. Um, getting ready to drive to San Francisco to meet you guys. I'm going to drive. We leave. Uh, we leave Monday, but over the weekend we're going to do some work up at the house and shoot my final for the Illumina Max. I'm going to chop down a tree or two or three by the Beaver Pond. Nice. And uh, yeah, and that's it. Awesome. So, Bob, this was your first week full time as I like to make stuff. Yes. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, absolutely. Right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, what are you working on? Um, well, I launched another podcast today. So my show brain pick that, you know, has been a video up until now today, I launched the first of the audio only. It's just audio only now. And that was a, a interview I did with Ben Ueda from homemade modern, super cool guy. We had good conversation. And so I did that today, which was really cool. And I've been, um, really just doing some stuff around that I could never justify the time on, which has been kind of cool. Like a crosscut sled. That always seemed, you know, it would be handy, but it was like one of those things, no, I would rather do a project video if I'm going to have time in the shop. Now it's like, yes, you need I, it. I need it, and then it yeah. will make everything going forward better and faster and safer. And So I've been doing stuff like that, you know, um, kind of organization, making some things like that. I had to make a bunch of uh, cutting boards for commissions that I've been putting off. And so I finally made some ingrain cutting boards. So all the people that hated my... <laughs> cutting boards before will hopefully be happy now that I made ingrain boards. Um, 
and I don't think they're any stronger than what I had. And I, they're definitely not as good looking. But hmm. anyway, that's a different subject altogether. I, I want to hear <laughs> about your your mental state. Uh, it's it's good. It's really weird and interesting to be to not feel guilty about wanting to be doing something, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I always did my work at my day job. I always made sure that I got stuff done. But working at home, it was really easy to take five minutes and go on the other side of the wall and work in the shop. And But even if I was getting my work done, I still had some guilt about, like, my mind is over there, even if my body is here at the computer typing. And so it's kind of weird and but kind of freeing to be just, yes, I'm going to go make something because that's my job now. That's, that's awesome. It. That's awesome. That's great. So, and the amount of uh, support I've gotten from like everybody on you know Twitter and YouTube and Facebook and just uh, man, awesome, awesome, and I really appreciate it from everybody. Well, that's it. Remember, option uh, failure is not an option in this case. That's right. It won't be. Like yep. I said, you have too many people supporting you, and and for the people out there that think that you're just thinking you're going to make money off of your YouTube income, I mean, you have multi multiple streams of income. Oh yeah, that's a good point because I had a lot of people on YouTube go like, "Man, you must make a ton." How are you? Or or, <laughs> or like, "Oh, you're a full time YouTuber." And I haven't. I didn't say that because I'm not. Um, that is one part of what I'm doing. This podcast yeah. is a big part of it. My other podcast is part of it. You know, and I think it's important. Stuff. It's important to say that you didn't leave a job at you know Wallbaums. You left a job of a consulting business or whatever it is that you carry with you no matter where you go. Yeah. So that technology is always with you. You could always get hired for consulting jobs or whatever or freelance jobs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's so, I, like I don't want to sh- I don't want to shoot for the fallback stuff, but I'm blessed enough to have a lot of fallback options. So if yeah. you know, if there's a month month that is slim from YouTube or from one of my different sources, then I can make up for it. And that's also one of the interesting things the changes in this is like instead of having a single source of income that your family my family is relying on you know, I could easily get laid off from that job and that would have been gone. Now, yeah. if if one of my sources falls through in a month, it's not everything, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's actually a little bit more security in this setup from just a financial perspective. Now, this is going yeah. really off the rails, but... I like hearing yeah. that, though. <laughs> yeah, no, so, it's true. I've always, I've always maintained that, you know, all I need is like a few good couple of thousand dollar jobs a month, which for me is pretty easy to swing. Um, or a lot of little, like five and such and such hundred dollars a month jobs, you know. And so, it's just to make the ends meet. And like you said, it's not all coming from one person that'll just pull the plug. It's coming from a lot of people, and I could reach out and I could always, you know, pat the bushes and, and get that when I need it in a in a pinch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hopefully, people that are seeing, you know, like the those of us who are leaving our jobs to do this type of stuff full time, hopefully, they're not thinking that it's like. Money, you get a big check from YouTube every month, and that's how you <laughs> <I> survive. Because <laughs> that that is certainly not the case. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. So anybody who's wanting to do it, hopefully, is you know at least understands like the reality of it. But the reality that it's possible, one, but that it's not just coming from a single source, and that you have to have lots of baskets for lots of eggs, and yep. you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, thank you for asking. It's going very well. It's it's a lot of fun, and I'm. Just ridiculously excited about. I'm so ha- I'm so up. happy for you. I don't I I feel better now that you're doing it, and I don't know why, but I just it's just like ah oh, another another That's one so to sweet. the family, you know. I've been yeah. so happy for a long time. That's sweet. I appreciate anyway. it. 
Yeah. So uh, I'm going to introduce the topic today, and it's kind of something we started talking about before we went on air, and so we just said, hey, let's make this the topic. And it's uh, how, uh, whether we're inspired consciously or unconsciously, and when we catch ourselves in that predicament, in that predicament and how we handle it and what we do. And then uh, another, another subject came up because we were just discussing merchandise, and um, we could start here. Um, when people use my logo and my branding and make things with it. I love it. I think it's amazing because it saves me from having to like lick a stamp and stand online at the post office. So I, I like, I, it's kind of along the lines of like open source. So I guess the topic really is like open source versus like copyright and when it's okay to, to take somebody's design, I guess you can call it with a question mark or, uh, you know, their concept and make it your own. And, um, I, I guess most people might consider, when you take something from somebody and you sell it, that's like thievery. But when you take something from somebody and you make it your own for yourself, that's like a form of flattery, right? I mean, are you guys in agreement with that? That sounds about right, right? I think so. I mean, people do that all the time, like sports teams and stuff. Like, let's take the Yankees logo, cut it out in some wood and hang it up on, on my wall. That's fine. Right. The Yankees don't have a problem with that. But you can't right. go and sell that on your Etsy account then. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the problem is when you, you're getting in the way of money getting to them. That's, you know, at a, at a large scale, that's when they'll step in and get some lawyers involved and stuff. But I, I do think that, <clears throat> you know, even within, you know, coming up with your own design for a piece of furniture or whatever, and then putting, like, in, in our case, we make a video, we put it out there. I think there's often something behind that particular idea, the thing that you put out, there was something along the line recently in the recent you know, history or something that inspired you to do that. Now, it's very possible that somebody else had that same experience with that same previous thing. So there's a lot of parallel thinking that happens from the oh, same source, sure. you know, from the same source, and they both kind of go down the same path around the same time. And I know, and I think I might have even said this in a previous episode, in the last couple of weeks, I've had three or more projects that have been on my list for a year that stuff I just haven't gotten to do yet, I see another creator on YouTube making a video of that exact same thing. Granted, mine would look a little different or whatever, but I'm not going to make that video just because it would look like I was copying them. Now, obviously, they didn't like reach into my head and pull that idea out and steal it and make it before I could make it. You weren't, you weren't wearing your tinfoil helmet. That's, that's, the that's the problem. I need Dave Welder's copper welding helmet. <laughs> to weld, to your, your ideas won't escape. That's exactly right. But so I think it's really, you know, it's really common for people in particularly in the same space, like we're all in the same space, to be inspired by a thing that's subconscious, it's far back, but it leads us down a path and multiple people are going down that path at the same time. Now, that's an entirely different thing than me seeing David's station, his coffee station that he just made and going, because as soon as I saw that, I was like, wow, homemade, I mean, uh, mid-century modern. I've wanted to do something in that style for a long time. I should really do that. And then I was like, well, that's going to look like I'm just ripping him off (laughs) for a while. Right. Well, Before I can be the media. I can be the mediator. Would you like to ask him if it's okay? (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Hey, Jimmy, tell, tell David that I, um, (laughs) no, but that was a good example of like, that's something I've always wanted to do. And just seeing your, you know, implementation of that style made me go, oh yes, I, that came back up. That came back up into my head. So I can either say, I'm going to rip him off, make the exact same thing, but like taller or whatever, you know, and just try to get mine out in front. 
I could do that and be a jerk. Or I could say, I'm going to wait six months and see where the inspiration of his thing takes me, you know. And in six months, thinking about that, I'll probably come up with a different, entirely different idea that's based on the style, but it's unique. And, you know, well, so I, who's to say mine isn't ripped off? I mean, it's it's mid-century modern inspired, right? So, and it's a pretty simple cabinet. I looked around, I did the Pinterest thing, I did the Google thing for inspiration, and I didn't see anything exactly like this, but I saw the the angled legs, I've seen the the white with the walnut, and I kind of took those ideas and made it into what I think is my own. And But there could be some other cabinet out there that's very similar, who knows, mm-hmm. you know. But I think this is my idea, but based off of other people's ideas. Yeah. Well, you're working within a style, yes. and if you and if you were to say that you were ripping off somebody because you were in a style, then that means everybody who's ever made a piece of furniture in that style is ripping off the person who started it, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and that doesn't work. So that breaks down. So, yeah, I, I, I oh. think I do know that some people have. Um, I think Steve Ramsey even had a project that he made, and then somebody else had made the exact same time or the exact same thing, and it was. It was like in a magazine or something. But, you know, there was no way that he could predict what was going to be published in a magazine. That same time. At the same time. And, you know, magazine production starts months before, right? So yeah. there's a lot of stuff like that. I think it happens really often. One year ago yeah. today, or uh, this week, Steve and I put out the same project. And it was, it was, oh, a really? mo- it was a, yeah, it was, I did a Mother's Day video, like, uh, make a planter. And Steve also came out with a planter video that same week. We released them, but we didn't, we didn't talk to each other. We had no idea we were doing that. Steve released his on one day and I released mine a couple of days later. And I was like, ah, crap. I can't believe we're, we're doing yeah. this. And, but it was, yeah. you know, just one of those things. And, and no, when the time is ripe for a concept, uh, you know, who knows, especially now where all of us have so much input into our eyeballs. There's like so much input going into everybody's eyeballs. Who knows where and how, but you know, all these seeds are planted and they manifest, especially when all of us with creative thinkers that people are at least seeing on YouTube and the creative thinkers that are listening, your mind just churns up these things. And, and you know, we're all in the same culture, we're all in the same environment for the most part. And the ideas will start to look the same or be exactly the same in some cases. And, uh, you know, I, I put out, uh, Dave and I put out the tips video that many of you are seeing or have seen and uh i did that drill thing which i don't claim to have invented i mean dave and i it's just an idea that was kind of ripe it was just like hey why aren't drills square you know they used to make little sleds that go on the back of like a like a skill or 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 uh, a black and decker drill that would go on like a little handheld drill press that's big enough to carry to a job site you know so in a way that's basically what that idea was it's not anything new but um Somebody made a comment. They said, oh, you must be watching my channel. And I'm not claiming to have invented it. If he's thinking he's invented it, he's not invented it either. He's just being inspired by somebody down probably before him. A magnetic, uh, a magnetic steel drill is, is only good on its own axis, which is carryable. You magnetize it to a steel beam and, and it becomes its own drill press. So, I mean, that's probably where more I was inspired because I have one sitting in the shop. Um, but yeah, it, it's not to say that there's no new ideas out there, but it's just, I guess it's also how you, you take those ideas and, you know, you mutate them. I, I, I'm, my tips are totally open source. So a couple of people wrote to me and they're like, what if the drill companies start to make square drills? 
My gut feeling is they'll never do it because they're going to make a square drill and it's not going to look like a sneaker and they're going to get scared. And they're all going <laughs> to be like, oh my God, you know, no one's going to buy a square drill. It's only, they're only going to buy a drill that looks like the sneakers. And so I don't think it's ever going to happen because they're, you know, I, I don't care about, personally, I don't care about tool sponsorship. I think that they're, they're all morons when it comes to design. I don't think any of them give tools to real people to play with. Mm. You know, they give they don't. They just don't give them to enough people, and they don't want to get someone like me involved because I have a big mouth, and they're going to think they have to pay me a royalty. So they stay away from people like me, who will actually like. At least I think I can improve a product. So that's why they don't go to. Like I was, I was a little bit working with Dewalt. They would bring me a tool, and I'd play with it a little bit, and I'd give them ten ideas, and none of those ideas are ideas they wanted because they would have had to pay royalties to me on them. I'm like, this little widget is cool, but you should do this to it, and they're like, hmm. Interesting. And this is great. You should do this to it. And they're like, hmm, interesting. And any one of those would have been a saleable idea at the right moment in time. But now they're giving me something that's already injection molded. They're not going to turn the clock back and retool it. You know, they're probably, I mean, maybe it'll come back out in a couple of years from now and they'll steal it from me. But I, I mean, I don't even care. It's, um, so I don't know where I'm going with that. Do you, do you think DeWalt wanted you to say, <laughs> do, you, do you think they wanted you to say, like, Oh, this was great. That way they could say, you know, Jimmy DeResta loves our product, you know? No, I mean, I don't think anybody there gives me any credence or thinks that I'm any type of celebrity. But uh, the one person that I was friendly with there, I think that he, um, he recognized my experience. And he recognized that if I gave it an okay, you know, it wasn't like the type of thing they would publicize. He would just say, well, if this guy likes it, then I feel confident just because he knew my experience. It's not because validation. Of- yeah, uh, and not because of who I personally was, but just because of my, the experience that I had in my life. Um, you know, once he got to know me, this guy James, who was a nice guy, um, and so uh, I think that's what he was looking for. But when he handed it to me, I'm like, "This is cool, but you know, you should have put this here, and this should be over there, and this shouldn't do this." And he was like, "Enough already, I'm leaving." You know, like he didn't want to hear all my extra stuff. Yeah, so. th- there's a couple things, um, a couple of different directions for this. Oh. This may wander a little bit, but attribution is a huge, a huge thing. Like, um, I think you know, copying someone's idea or or implementing somebody's idea into your own thing is perfectly fine and excusable as long as there's attribution. Like you're saying that you know, for Dewalt, you wouldn't have cared to sell those ideas to them. Um, but if they were to implement those things, not buy them, maybe this is a bad example, but. But give you attribution, like, hey, this is his idea. You know, at least you get some credit for it or whatever. That's a very different thing than just stealing the idea. I'm not saying DeWalt would do this. I'm just using yeah. that as an example. Yeah. So, well, like for instance, I made that um, that crosscut sled I was talking about the other day, and I put a picture of it on Instagram, just kind of to show what I was working on, and I had a lot of people asking if there would be a video. And in my mind, it seems like everybody I know has made a crosscut sled video. So right. I didn't I didn't think there was a need to just because there are a lot of really good ones, you know. Yeah. And I and I for that design pulled from David's and Steve Ramsey's and you know, I didn't come up with it. I was just implementing it. And so they were um somebody on on their on Instagram said, "Well, you should make at least an article of it and point back to the you know, tell about your version of it but then point back to where you got inspiration from." And I was like, "Oh, that's right. a really good idea. I hadn't really thought about that as a right as a way to explain it, you know, as like, here's the path that got me to this thing. I was looking at it more of, I don't want to show this thing because this thing is coming from another place. It's coming from other people's ideas. But so, 
I think if you if I had planned ahead, like if I had planned ahead, I would have wrapped that project, made it into a project, but wrapped it in the attribution that was necessary yeah. so that you know people got the resource. That's really cool because when I did, remember I did Spike's uh, Cat House and I made the columns and I used Izzy Jig. And I don't know if Izzy ever did exactly that same type of jig. I know he's done a lot of jigs on a table saw sleds. When I made that, I'm like, this is totally something Izzy would have done. And I said, and I probably wouldn't have thought of it if I hadn't watched his channel. Yeah. And so that's why I put I put right across it. I said, watch Izzy's channel for this type of stuff because this is where directly I was influenced by him for this. So, I mean, I love to be able to give give back when I can and, you know, when I'm 100% aware of it. I'm not always aware of it. You know, I'll watch a video that I've done and I'm like, I'll do a little gimmick and I'll be like, oh, wow, I, now that I'm looking at it, you know, kind of standing away from it, I got that from this or that. And I was talking again a little bit before we started. My, my new ice pick that I made, which you've seen on Instagram, and the video will probably be out by now, um, I was like totally digging it and playing with it and like getting all into it and screwing it and unscrewing it after I finished it. And then I'm like, oh, this is just like this Chinese like keychain knife that I bought 10 years ago that's just <laughs> sitting in my desk, which is in my other desk. It's a, like a little kind of pointy dagger, and you've probably seen them. They're always like available in all these like you know imported knife magazines, and it's like a long steel brass tube. And it, instead of an ice pick, it has like a long thin sort of letter opener, and it screws into the tube just like that, like several re- revolutions. And it has a keychain loop on the end, which is basically the thing I have in mind. I'm showing it right now. Um, this loop on the end, and the other end has a point, just like a tactical pen, just like the one I made. So. The only thing I left off of it is I didn't put knurls on it. And the one thing that I personally out of it is that I made it myself. And I learned a few things. I learned how to, you know, tap and dye something accurately, which I never seemed to be able to do. And uh, I made like this sexy kind of instrument. I don't know so what knurls me, are. Uh, those are like the, the, the little bumps that you see like on a rifle. I guess you can call it rifling or knurling. It's what you see, like the little diamond hash patterns that you oh. see. On all like everything that's made yeah. with tactical in quotes has like these neural lines on it like flashlight the neural lines mm-hmm. so mine is just smooth but the thing that i subconsciously copied and it's not attributed to any one designer it's just one of these like sort of open market thingies but you know i still had the personal satisfaction that i made it myself and i accomplished something uh that i set out to do and i didn't know if it was going to work but i accomplished it mm-hmm. but you know there's been many times in my life where i made something and i sat back and i looked at it and i'm like Oh wow! I totally got that from so and so, or I got that from so and so. Like my crushed car tables. Um, there's an artist from the '50s named Chamberlain who I always liked ever since I was a kid. Uh, when I very first saw his sculptures, he just would take cars and crush them and make them into big cubes. Hmm. And it occurred to me, like, I, you know, maybe it's blasphemy to take a piece of art and make it functional. But in when I was in college, I'm like, oh, it'd be cool to take one of Chamberlain's Chamberlain's uh, cubes and just put a piece of glass on it. And that's how I came to the conclusion to make that. And I finally, I always had that idea, but I finally found a client willing to execute it. And that's, that's why I made those tables out of the Dodge Dart. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember those. Yeah, and that's totally from uh, uh, Chamberlain. I, I can't think of his first name right now. I'll Google it while we're talking. Yeah, I'll add it to the show notes. Uh, so uh, early on, you mentioned um, open source and about your, you know, people, you giving out your logo and people making their own shirts. Yeah. The, um, the open source stuff is really interesting. If, if anybody's not familiar with open source, like what it actually is, in the software world, and, and now in the hardware world, but in the software world, <clears throat> there's a bunch of different licenses for things. And so if you write a piece of software, 
you can select a different license. One of the licenses may say, you can use this software for whatever you want to, but you can't sell it. One may say, you can use this one and make improvements to it, and you can sell it. One of them may say, you can only use this in non-commercial settings. Or, you know, there's a bunch of different licenses with very specific use cases and reselling cases and improvement cases. The open source stuff is generally down the path of, you can use this, make improvements on it, as long as those improvements, or with the hope that those improvements will feed back into the source and improve the core thing. So like... WordPress is a pretty good example of, I mean, there's a t- tons of them, but WordPress is one that's in my mind, where somebody made WordPress, this whole system to run blogs, and then they put it out there for free. And people would download it, f- fix problems, make improvements, and then they would upload those improvements back to the main server. And then the next person that downloaded WordPress got the new version with those improvements in it. And so... Oh, that's cool. I never knew that. That's really cool. No, another person could download WordPress and change it and not upload it back to the source and just make it their own new thing. And they could call it like non-WordPress or whatever they want to call it, you know, and turn it into its own thing. They could sell it. They could keep it free. They could do whatever. But the point of that is that you have an initial source. People download it, modify it, and hopefully send it back to to the center. Now, that works really well in software. It works pretty well in hardware what's happening with Arduino right now. So Arduino is another open source hardware thing where they designed a board and then they said, here are the designs for this board. And they put them out there with the thing that you can take this board, make your own version of it, and sell it. But you can't call it Arduino. So they copyrighted their name. And I might be a little bit off on the terminology here, so don't hold me to it, but the, my general understanding is that they copyrighted the Arduino name and a brand. The product that they make is open source. And so you have the Arduino, the initial one, and then you have these other companies like uh, Seedduino, or uh, there's hundreds of them. People take the spec, they improve it, they make their own version, and they sell it under a different trade name. And that's the way that works, and that was their intention. You know, They wanted that to happen. Now, what's happening with them right now is that an, another company actually claims it, that was one of their resellers for their boards and manufacturers for their boards is now claiming to own the name, not just the hardware itself. So you have this, what was an open source, like, hey, yeah, here's some free stuff. Everybody can go make yeah. your money off of it. Just don't use our name. Now there's people saying, no, it's our name. Oh, isn't it somebody, isn't it, isn't it like a guy named like George Arduino or something? Isn't it, I, thought, I thought I met him at Maker Faire. No, I don't know. I don't, I don't know the names or anybody really involved, but he's one of the oh, original team members, I think. I, may be. I, met, I met an Italian guy and I, I could be totally wrong. Well, he just said, I am Arduino. Maybe he just meant I am the guy that. Oh yeah, that was probably, I can't remember his name. It starts with an M, Mas- Massimo, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's one of the initial founders that started it. So, But his name isn't Massimo Arduino? No. Oh, I, okay. I'm sorry. That's what he, I, he just that's what one, one of the guys that started it. But, That'd be an awesome uh, name, though. Yeah, <laughs> Mister Arduino. He's actually a robot. He's not a human being. <laughs> <laughs> he's run by a little open source Linux, human being, open source and processor. <laughs> but anyway, Arduino is going through that. So it's one of the weird things that you know happens in hardware, where it really hasn't. In this case, has nothing to do with the actual hardware, with the actual specs. It's about trade names and copyright branding and stuff, which is weird. Um, but that would be basically like you taking your shirt and saying, 
hey, um, you know, here's my stencil. Make your own Duresta shirts and and mm-hmm. whatever. And I don't even care if you sell them. That would be fine. You're not saying right. this. I'm not advocating right. this for Jimmy, but I'm, yeah. as an example. I mean, honestly, if somebody did that, I probably wouldn't care anyway. <laughs> Just be like, send me a little money. But as an example, if some, you know, it's as if you were saying, that's okay, yeah. go do that. But then somebody said, actually, I'm Duresta because I have a stencil. That right. would be a problem. <laughs> be you know funny. what I mean? That would be a problem. <laughs> So it's, you know, and that's a, obviously a really different thing than, uh, you know, copying someone's design and like, you know, a, a single product and making that single product or making a video off of somebody's idea or something. Th- those are very different things. But well, it's funny. I, I uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Casey Neistat. I always talk about him. He, he's been doing a blog every day for like 40 days in a row and a couple and always he always opens up with like a little bit of like a like a loose subject. It's only 10 minutes long. So he'll say. This is one thing that I want to talk about. And one thing he talked about was stealing versus inspiration, which is kind of what we're talking about. And uh, he didn't name anybody in particular. So I looked down through the comments to see who exactly he was talking about. And a couple of his like really tight fans knew exactly what he meant. Apparently, he did this thing where he surfboarded in a full-on J. Crew suit. He made an ad. And then just a couple of, like within the last recent months, uh, Quicksilver put out a whole series of ads of their models in full three-piece suits surfboarding mm. so like literally like the silhouettes I, I just happened to find the link that someone put in so i found so the silhouettes are like are like the imagery and everything it looks exactly the same you know like the key image of a guy in a full three-piece suit carrying a surfboard at the shoreline you know kind of compose a little bit to the office center to the right and they did exactly his thing it's really funny mm. um, but you know these big companies they don't care because they know like they'll piss off maybe 10 people but they'll impress millions. So, you know, that's yeah. for them, it's like a, they, it's for them, it's just a matter of like, I think it seems to be, it's just a matter of, hey, let's, uh, you know, let's beg for forgiveness as opposed to ask for permission kind of thing. Well, and one of the things about marketing, which is, this is one thing that's always really frustrated me about corporate marketing, is that it is hugely uh, fast paced and transitory. It's like they, they do all this work for a huge marketing campaign. And it lives in the eye of the audience for a day or three days or a month or something. But, you know, they're not building long-term suit surfing brands. They're building an ad that will be shown and then it will get replaced by the next ad. Right. And so there's a lot less, from their perspective, there's a lot less at stake, you know, to rip off an idea for a temporary gain. Because it's not yeah. like they're, that's not going to be their thing going forward. That's know? true. But for the little artist, right. it gets confusing because when somebody sees... That and you know, it's a few months later or a year later. Like, wow, I can't believe he blatantly stole that from Quicksilver. Yeah, exactly. When that's not the case at all, because the timeline gets muddled and just completely disintegrated. And you know, it, in the life we live now, the culture we live now, literally, like weeks or like what happens in weeks used to take years. Yeah, you know, as far as the advancement of technology and culture and and you know, like a, a, a social happenstance is literally a blip on the screen nowadays. Yeah, you know, I remember as a kid, for instance, like the movie Jaws would be in the movie for like six months. Imagine, or or a year. Like the movie Jaws was in the movie theater for like a year and a half. You could still go and see it and pay for a year and a half. You know, that's the type of thing that just doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, now you got to like see them in the first two weeks, or they're gone. You never get to see them in theater again. There's a speaking of movies. There's a I think it's a series of these videos called Everything Is a Remix. You guys ever heard of this? I think I might have heard of it. Uh, so I've 
I've seen one of them a very long time ago, so I can't really talk about the specifics of them, but I remember the point of the whole thing being that pretty much everything, all the ideas are done. Everything is a remix of previous ideas. And and he gives tons of examples about you know movies that are basically just rehashed, whatever. Star Wars is basically just rehashed this movie, which is yeah. rehashed this story, which is rehashed, you know, it just goes back and back and back. And it's just about taking the current landscape that we live in and pulling out some some kind of local stuff to where we are, remixing that with an old idea, and then you get a new piece of story or a new piece of music or whatever. And there's multiple of these videos, so everybody should go check those out and see if they're interesting. But I, I think that also applies to furniture and to, you know, making stuff. I mean... We're taking the style of today, the stuff that is interesting to our clients today or commission type people, and they're wanting, I want something in this style. Well, yeah, we say we have to match that style, but we have to use techniques and methods that have been around for X generations. That's a remix. You're taking joinery that's been around for hundreds of years and you're remixing it into a certain style to make a certain output. You know, and There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's just kind of the mm-hmm. way it is. Um, so I think that type of, you know, taking what went before, adding the current flavor to it and making a new thing is pretty much a part of everything that we do, <laughs> you know? No, for sure. I mean, I, 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 I'm going to admit, I mean, clients have brought tear sheets of magazines and say, could you, could you make this for me? And I'll say, well, why don't you buy it from that guy? And they'll say, cause he wants $30,000 and I'm, I will never own it for $30,000, but I'll give you five to make it. No, that's when you say twenty nine thousand dollars. <laughs> no, well, you know, so they say like I'll only accept, I'll only do it for five or nine yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and then uh, I'll go back and I'll say, all right, you know, it won't be as good as that. You know, it might not be exactly whatever quality, like you know, something super high gloss. You know, there's things I just won't do because I'm not good at, and so we'll redevelop it to fit my needs. I haven't done that in a while, but you know, when I was back in the day getting started, I would certainly do something out of a magazine because they're not going to buy it from that guy no matter what. So it's not like I'm taking money away from them, but at the same token, I wouldn't exploit that I did that. I wouldn't put pictures up and say, look what I did. Yeah. You know, because it's not my design. I just I was just a technician just filling filling a void for this person. You know, like, you know, when someone goes into a magazine shop, a, ma- a shop with a picture out of a magazine and say, cut my hair like this one. You yeah. Know, I just consider myself the barber in that circumstance. Yeah. It's like so. any anytime you do a commission piece, I mean, you're not going to say, okay, well, I would love to make this thing for you. Where did you get the idea? You know, can you prove to me that it's your original idea before I make it? You're not going to say that because you don't care where they got the interest or the whatever. You know, you're you're doing a job to fill a thing. And yeah. that is a different thing than saying, hey, world, I created this brand new mid-century modern coffee station that looks a lot like David's, but it's not because I made it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's That's a very different thing. And that goes back to the attribution. Thing too. Oh, uh, talk about furniture. It's something I forgot to tell you guys. Um, you guys know Core 77? Yeah. I just did a handshake deal with them. I'm going to do one video a month for them that's going to be an original piece of furniture. Awesome. So, so I'm either going to subconsciously knock everybody off or do something completely original, which is <laughs> probably likely a combination of all of the above. Say, there's a, you only yeah. have two choices, right? You're either going to rip somebody off or you're going to come up with something original. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, and then when I look back, I'm going to go, that was original for the first five minutes of me thinking of it. <laughs> yeah. But now I realize it's from this, this, and this, and this. So I'm going to give them one video a month that's going to be a piece of furniture. Nice. Awesome. So I completely forgot about that. So we were just talking about this just now. So. Like a piece of furniture you could put in your home? Yeah. Or maybe I'll sell it or whatever. And then just to kind of differentiate it, um, Rain who's one of the editors there, who, who is my fan. Thank you, Rain. Uh, he and I might have like a Q&A over the video. So it'll be like a director's cut with like a conversation over the video. So nice. it'll be ex- exclusive content for Core 77 one, once a month. Yeah, that'll be a different format to have mm-hmm. like with you talking over them and stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Good. Yeah, so, um, so that's going to talk about, you know, trying to come up with original. Furniture has never been really like my strong, uh, one of my strong, my strengths, I should say. Uh, so now... Uh, much like my girlfriend Taylor actually literally makes furniture and she's been making, uh, fulfilling a couple of orders um, and she's constantly sketching new ideas. I don't really sketch furniture or chairs all that much. So now I will be. So it's... Uh, You've, you made that credenza, be- I don't know, about a year ago. That was really, really awesome. I think it was remember? out of wal- Walnut Plywood. Mm-hmm. I remember that one. Jimmy oh, was- yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, was- right, yeah. That was a combination. That was kind of a mid-century modern. She just said, I want rusty doors. That's what she said. I want rusty doors. And so I went back and forth with the client and um, the designer of the home. um, And we came to the conclusion of making that credenza with the blue. And the client wanted the inside blue. She liked the inside. She's like, I want a blue. I was like, okay, cool. It didn't match anything in the room. She just wanted to open up those sliding rusty doors and see like something, Hmm. that shocking China blue. And uh, yeah, so that was a combination of me and the designer and the client talking. So. You know, that was filling fulfilling needs that they that they have. Yeah. I sell plans for different little projects on my website and I get asked all the time, hey, can I make this and sell it? And what I tell them is if I sell you a plan, you can then take that and do whatever you want with it so you can sell it. But if you see something on my website that I'm not selling the plan for, that is mine and I'm I'm keeping that for myself. You can make one for yourself, but don't do not do not sell that. So, hmm. you were warned. You were warned. I don't know. I don't know how it works for like magazines. So, like fine woodworking puts out chest of drawers design, and somebody makes that. Can that person sell those? I don't know. Well, I guess if it, it seems to me like a, a scale of, um, you know, it's it's like a scale thing. Like if. Ikea comes along and then all of a sudden their new featured item is directly taken from whoever designed that beautiful piece in the centerfold of wood fine woodworking. Then all of a sudden it's like, hey, you know, it's like kind of for like full on monetary gain as opposed to a bunch of woodworkers being inspired to fulfill their desire to make something. And it seems a little bit more wholesome to give it to a thousands of people that are just going to make it for themselves. As opposed to IKEA just stealing it, so but I don't know. It's, it's a good question. It's kind of like I said before, though. You know, it's really about you getting in the way of them making money. And so, like in the case of you know you making a craft object, putting it on your website and not selling the plans for it, but you're teaching people how to do it. They, if that person, you know, you're in Ohio, they live in I don't know Chile or something, and they make that thing to sell at local craft shows there, they're not taking money from you. Right. You know what I mean? That's it, true. So again, it gets back into scale. The scale Yeah, of exactly. Yeah. yeah. So there, 
there's just specifics, but that you know, there's specifics to every particular situation, and there's I think there's a little bit more to it than that, though. If if somebody takes something that I don't give them permission for to sell it, even if even if they're not taking money away from me, they're taking credit away from me, right? Mm-hmm. I because that means a lot of times that means that credit means more to me than money does. Right. It gets back to that thing where it's confusing. Like then you look like you knocked him off. Mm-hmm. Potentially, if you guys end up cross, crossing paths in social media some way, somehow. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's lots of lots of ins and outs, and I guess all the situations would be pretty unique. Sure. Well, that's why that's why I never, and it's almost like it's like I just want, like you said, I just want, I just don't want to miss, I just don't want to miss misplace credit. Like anytime I put a picture out on on social media, I, my name is in it somewhere. Someone could Photoshop it out, but that's not likely that it's going to happen. But because my name is in it, it starts to build of the awareness of like, oh, that looks like something Jimmy would have done. And if people email me stuff all the time, like, did you make this? I'm like, I didn't make that. Oh, it looks like something you would have made. I go, it certainly does, but I didn't make it. <laughs> you know, oh I, oh, I thought it was yours. I'm like, oh, thanks. Do you think he's knocking you off? I'm like, no. I mean, you know, my style isn't all that exclusive. I just, you know, I make square things out of wooden, metal, and steel. So... <laughs> That should be a T-shirt right there. <laughs> <laughs> I attach things together. <laughs> yeah, I fasten stuff to stuff with stuff. <laughs> Did I talk about that? That that I had got into an argument with somebody a couple of weeks ago. I might have talked about it on the last podcast where they're like, "Well, you just put things together." I'm like, "Yeah, I put things together with you know 30 plus years of experience. If I put this, something together and you put the same thing together, it would look like Fred Flintstone made it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, we're both just putting things together if you're just doing that. You yeah. know, if you're just saying that, yeah, that's true. But if you want them to look the same, they'll never look the same. Yeah. So there's just a little dumb semantics argument I had with somebody. <laughs> uh, well, that's probably a decent place to stop. I don't think we're, we'll resolve the issue of copyright yeah. <laughs> and stuff. But um, so I want to say thank you to Tyson Karshner, who gave us a donation this week. Thanks, Tyson. I appreciate it. And um, also to Luis Gonzalez, who's like Aunt Matthew Dickinson, Rick Rhodes, and Chris Cop. Those are awesome guys from Patreon. I want to say uh, to Luis, who is driving across part of the U.S. on his motorcycle right now. Yeah, and he's exploiting all of us. He's doing a great job. Yeah, he put our <laughs> stickers on his bikes, and he looks like he's having an awesome time. He keeps sending us pictures of these like gorgeous vistas, you know, in Alaska and all this stuff. And so uh, I hope he has a good trip. And yeah. Ride safe, brother. Yeah, we're really appreciative of everybody from Patreon for supporting the show. And uh, where can we find out about everybody? David? I can be found at drunkenwoodworker.com, and that has all my videos and blogs and social medias. Uh, JimmyDeresta.com, and uh, uh, hopefully if things go well tonight and tomorrow morning, my store will be available for shirts and hats. So Nice. Look for that. And we did, uh, I, I cut, uh, we had, I think we had a hundred push sticks cut out by a CNC guy in upstate New York and they're okay. They're, they're not perfect. They're okay. So, uh, you know, they'll be available too. That we only made about maybe I think about 95. Um, so the push sticks will be available as well. And, um, uh, I just wanted to plug the concept I began. Uh, I think we all talked about it for a minute. Give a tool away. Did you guys see I started that on my Instagram? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I gave away my old chop saw to a guy named John who now just recently gave away a bandsaw to somebody who's now going to give away a tool. So hopefully that mm-hmm. starts a fire. You know, these guys seem to be very excited about it. And that's a simple game that anybody could start. Just mm-hmm. hashtag give a tool away and see if it catches hold. Awesome. Awesome. 
Bob? Um, oh, uh, yeah. I, I'm at iliketomakestuff.com, but also I should say we're going to Maker Fair. Yes. That's right. Um, I was going to interrupt you and, and yeah, say that. I so. totally forgot. So um, we are doing a panel on fails called Epic Fails. Um, I don't know why they picked us for that one, but we're going to talk about failure. <laughs> Thanks, Make. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so yeah, we'll be out there talking on a stage in front of people on Saturday. Um, we'll also just be, you know, roaming around for the weekend, and we'd love yep. to see anybody that's around come say hi and hang out with us and stuff. Um, my stuff is all at I like to make stuff.com. Since it's my job now, I'll be spending more time on it and all that. Yep. So. That's about it for us this week. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Or at Make a Fair. 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 Good night. Make a Fair. <laughs>